Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Merry Christmas and welcome to Wisconsin's Morning News Holiday Radio Show. I'm your host, Vince Petrano, and Eric Bilstead. Greg Pancake Hill will produce this program as he does our program every morning. Merry Christmas. Morning News. So, why are we doing this? It's Christmas. No. <laughs> why are we doing this, what we're doing here with to this year? To celebrate what is the our holiday objective? season, yes. to bring back some of our most wonderful holiday, quote-unquote, segments that were produced and aired during the last several weeks. We had a lot of holiday cheer we did. On, our, on our show this we year. We always we have should. holiday cheer. No one's ever grumpy about the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Am I already grumpy? I'm not trying to come off grumpy. Oh, you're smiling. You're <laughs> right, great. Yes. Having a great time. <laughs> well, something that makes me super happy, one of my favorite things that we did this holiday season is We Energies tried something new. Their cookie book is almost a century old. Yeah. They do this every year. They put out the recipes. They're local people who submit recipes. This year, it's firefighters, EMTs, first responders, cops mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who have submitted recipes from all over the state of Wisconsin that make it into the book. They've been doing this for almost 100 years. And this year, it's hard to do new when you've been doing at something for a century. They brought, instead of bringing cookies to us, which they also did. Sure. But they brought a number of us who talk about these sort of things over to the We Energy's headquarters. And we had like this little contest to see if you could... Figure out what was in the cookies and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I like that. So this the year cookie was preview. This was different too because they actually made cookies for dogs. So my twelve-year-old, uh, she's all fired up by the cookie book this year. I don't know what happened. I don't know. I, I don't. Maybe she just likes more cookies now. But she was making all kinds of cookies. She just cranking through the recipes from the We Energies book. And I said, "Well, let's make some for our dog." So we did. And it lit some type of fuse in our animal now where he's like, mm, he looks at us differently. He, Looking for treats? He knows that there must be some really phenomenal tasting cookies on the counter at all times now. And now we have like a puppy again trying to get him off the counter. It's like, <laughs> it's like digging through stuff. Yes. yes. That's exactly what happened. So if there's anything that... Sound from the Billstead house. (laughs) If I I had to do it again, it would have been never feeding him one of those dog cookies. (laughs) Don't ever do that. (laughs) So we'll bring back our conversation with uh, We Energies and their event. And Amy Johns over there does a great job. She actually bakes a number of these Mm -hmm. recipes herself and is real involved in that. A couple other things we have coming up for you this hour. Of course, a lot of folks love to see a holiday show in Milwaukee. It's a great holiday tradition in our town. And of course, thanks to the United Performing Arts Fund, we have a lot of great holiday shows. Yeah. The different companies do different things. So we will talk with Katie Corrick of Milwaukee of United Performing Arts Fund. She's going to go through like show by show of all the great talent and all the things that are out there. And then specifically, we'll talk with Michael Pink of Milwaukee Ballet. Talk about, again, doing something new. They put a new, sort of a new production of a Nutcracker Change on stage up. this yeah. year. And it's not like a different story. It doesn't end differently or crazy things like that. It's got a couple of little twists, and then they've changed the sets. They've changed the the costumes, which he said were all like 25 years old. I believe it, yeah. So we talk with Michael Pink of the Milwaukee Ballet as well this hour. Do I see this here? We're also running... I was trying to gloss over that. (laughs) So we're running the Halloween Santa Claus radio show. (laughs) 
Um, wow. Okay, so this is this is a bold bold move. By I thought you put pancake. that in there. I didn't put that in there. Pancake put that in. I there. I put that in there. <laughs> Why did you do that? Because I think that it was one of our most memorable holiday segments with a little bit of a Christmas twist, and it took me about four hours to put together. <laughs> so we're getting another play of it. <laughs> so run the so, sprockets off. Indeed. So Santa Claus uh, is the name of the Halloween radio show, and it's not for the faint of heart. It's uh, about a 10-year-old boy who <laughs> is haunted by Santa. So enjoy that one on this Christmas I'm Day. I'm going to say it's a true story. <laughs> this, what is written is not true, but truly Eric did write this as a young author yeah, in school. Grade. It was a school project. So yeah. we, we pr- produced a play based on the writings of Eric, young Eric Bilstead. Uh, yeah, seventh grade writing, so oh boy. Much to our regret. It's all ahead in this hour of the Wisconsin's Morning News Holiday Radio Show. You're listening to Wisconsin's Morning News Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. WTMJ Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. Welcome back to Wisconsin's Morning News' Holiday Radio Show, and Merry Christmas from us to yours. I am the producer of the program, Greg Pancake Hill, and I'll be taking you the rest of the way for our Christmas program. Now, there's a few staple appointments leading up to the holiday season that everyone looks forward to, one of which that we look forward to on Wisconsin's Morning News is the publishing of the We Energies Cookie Book, a nearly centuries-old tradition, making a tradition of itself to come on our show and talk about the book, and of course the opportunity to sample some of the delicious options available in the We Energies Cookie Book. Amy Johns, our friend of the program from We Energies, joins us in studio with Cookie she made especially for us from the cookie book and she also talks about how this year's theme celebrates first responders at 722 on wisconsin's morning news a nearly century old tradition renewed today is the we energies holiday cookie book drops online and distribution events start as well we bring in our friend from we energies amy johns who's with us live in studio this morning and has baked for us a hey, quick piece of business first I'm only seeing a handful of power outages still on the grid. Feels like we dodged one here because when you get this much snow and trees that still have the leaves on them, that can be trouble. Right. You have that heavy, wet snow pushing down on those tree branches. They can come in contact with our wires, but uh, very minimal outages, very few overnight. So um, really, really wonderful that we didn't have a lot more uh, because of the snow. Well, which is good, too, because I think all the time in these things when we have outages, your crews that are out there in the field, men and women who are up, on the poles or in the cherry pickers doing the work. Dangerous conditions sometimes. It's good that we don't have to have a lot of them out there today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when the roads are slippery like they are today, you know, having our crews out there, we want to make sure they're safe as well. So, um, you know, they take their time um, to make sure that they get there safely to get your lights back on. So let's talk about the annual We Energies holiday cookie book. And folks ask me all the time, and I know the story, but I'll let you tell it. (laughs) How did We Energies get in the in the cookie book business? Absolutely. So back in the early 1920s, when electricity was new, when we we're first getting our lights on, um, we also were getting electric appliances like our electric ovens. So we needed to teach our customers how to use those electric ovens and what better way to do that than to make a cookie book and bake some cookies for them. Um, so that's where this whole thing started back in 1928. So it is the 95th anniversary of our first cookie book. 
And this year we've got a real great theme. It is celebrating our first responders. What does that mean, celebrating the first responders? So celebrating our first responders, they are the people in our communities that keep us safe. And we wanted to make sure that we honor them. They are our friends, our neighbors, um, and, and they are the ones that we call in some of our desperate times. And so we wanted to make sure that we celebrated them and, and get their cookies in this year's book. So it's their recipes. All the recipes in the yes. book, uh, several dozen, are coming from area first responders. I talked to a number of them at the event last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're firefighters, they're EMTs, and it's, in many cases, family recipes. This is grandma's cookies or whatever, and, and they have submitted these and they got to be experts, right? Because those cops know how to eat cookies, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, we the nice thing about these cookie books that we do every year now, especially with this one, is we include little stories from each of our bakers. So they tell us about what it means to be first responders and serving in their communities, but also talks about the traditions of the cookies that they did submit in the book, too. So we have a really great variety of cookies this year, and, and one in particular, which I bought today, is our lava cookies. It's on page seven of this year's book. It's from McKenna Miller. She's a 21-year-old Milwaukee firefighter, and she told me that um, she loves serving in her community. Firefighter Firefighting runs in her family. Her father is a firefighter. Her sister is a firefighter. Cool. Um, and what she loves about it is that they come together and they actually eat in the firehouse, and she bakes in the firehouse for her crew. And that's that's an easy way to ingratiate yourself as a young firefighter. (laughs) Absolutely. And she said for her, these cookies are really simple to make. And there are a lot of ingredients that are already on hand at the firehouse because they don't have a lot of time to run out and get those extra special ingredients. So you have your basic flour, sugar, but cocoa powder. And um, she even adds, if you want optional, liquid vanilla flavored coffee creamer into this cookie. And oh, it kind of sure. looks like a little charcoal. Um, it's, they uh, do. Um, they look like little coals. <laughs> yeah. They're, it's chocolate rolled in um, powdered sugar. It's not going to blow you away with the sweetness either. Like it's just, it's a nice, You're right. just You're enough, right? Yep. Righty? Mm-hmm. Hey, what are you on your third there? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about Don't it. Don't worry about it. Hey, I noticed uh, the back page. Oh, the cookbook this year has some doggy cookies in there. For the first time ever, we do have dog treats in this year's cookie book. And I had the pleasure of meeting up with Canine Tesla. She is a um, emotional support dog for the Lake Country um, Fire Department. And she tested these cookies for us. Um, we have a sweet potato type cookie treat and then a honey wheat flour co- dog bone treat. She loved them. Um, she gave it two paws up. Excellent. Go. right? You and you were saying, just in case somebody gets loose and decides to try one themselves. They're human <laughs> safe. They're human safe. You, you can, can eat it. I, I actually did try them. I mean, they, they're not sweet. They don't taste that great, but the dogs love them. Okay, and make sure uh, Grandma knows which one she's cooking, though, right? <laughs> For sure. So it drops online. Anybody can get it online today. Right now, is it hot? 8 a.m. Okay, 8 a.m. this right. morning. It's going to be online. Um, you can get it on our website, we-energies.com. Amy Johns from We Energies, thank you so much. Thank you for baking for us today, and good luck with all those events. You're listening to the WTMJ Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. You're listening to Wisconsin's Morning News Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. And thank you for joining Wisconsin's Morning News and our Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive this Christmas Day. Now, 
All right, here's where we're going to bridge Halloween and Christmas in one. And no, there is no Jack Skellington involved. Picture, if you will, a spry sixth grade Eric Bilsad who had an assignment to write a Halloween story. That story he came up with did get him an A, kind of. And it was so good that we brought it to life here on Wisconsin's Morning News. You may have heard this before. This may be your first time. If that's the case, then strap in. Why would we play this on our holiday show? Well, because one, it's Christmas-themed, and two, I worked about four hours putting all these sound effects and elements together, and I think you'll recognize that once you hear this piece. Of course, this is Wisconsin's morning news production of Santa Claus by 10-year-old Eric Bilstad. Ten-year-old Billy Schultz is with Santa Claus, but he's not having a good time. Santa has Billy tied down. A giant blade is hanging a few feet above him. The blade will fall and impale him in 40 seconds. Ho, ho, ho. You haven't been a good boy this year, Billy. That's why I am killing you. What? Uh, I thought I'd just get cold for Christmas. Well, sure, if you do one thing wrong. But you've been naughty all year long. The clock was ticking down. Three, two, one. The large blade fell. Ah! And Billy awoke in his bed, cold and sweaty. (sighs) (sighs) What a nightmare. It felt so real. The next day at school, Billy and his friends were goofing off as they did on the playground during recess. Billy called to a second grader, looking to show off in front of his buddies. Hey, kid, come on over here. What? Why? Because I told you to. Come here. The frightened boy walked over to the group. Billy immediately pushed him to the ground. Everybody laughed as the second grader ran off crying. (laughs) Let's go find some lunch money to steal. Brody was one of Billy's friends. (laughs) I'm done doing mean things to kids. What? Why? Well, they save your naughty. Santa Claus won't give you any presents. Billy's heart sank. He immediately thought of his nightmare, the one with the blade that fell on him, and how Santa threatened to kill him. Then he snapped. Oh, yeah, you would believe in that stuff. Billy stormed off, ignoring his friends for the rest of the day. That night, Billy was walking alone in an office building. He heard a noise turned around and saw Santa Claus charging at him with an axe. You're dead, Billy. Ho, ho. Ah! Billy ran. He jumped into a cubicle and hid under the desk. Where was he? Whose office was this? Santa quickly spotted him and ran at him, swinging the axe. Billy ducked as the axe hit a computer. Billy took off with Chris Kringle right behind him. Another swing of the axe. It narrowly missed. Santa had him cornered next to the copier and that small coffee machine everybody liked. He began to laugh. Ho, ho, ho. Santa swung and... Ah! Billy woke up, screaming. (sighs) 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 Not another nightmare. I think I'm going crazy. The next day, Billy was silent. He never said a word the whole day. After school, he slowly walked home. When he got there, he saw his mother reading the bestseller Murder at My Friend Frank's by Eric Bilstead. Hey there, Tiger. What's wrong? Uh, n- nothing. Nothing. Billy slowly walked up the stairs to his room. When he entered, he saw his bed. No! No! I could never sleep again! His mother heard the scream and ran upstairs. Billy had fainted. 
Billy then found himself in a strange dungeon. He looked around, and there he was. He saw Santa, this time with a knife. This time, there is no way to escape. You will die, Billy. Y you can't kill me. This is only a dream. Haven't you seen Nightmare on Elm Street? If you die in your dream, you die in real life. Oh, oh, oh. No! Billy ran, with St. Nick right behind him. He got to a dead end, and Santa had him trapped. Ho, ho, ho! Ah! Billy woke up. He was on the couch in the living room at home. His mom, dad, and his older sister, Carol, were standing above him. Billy, oh my God, are you okay? Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I need to get up. No, son, you need to rest and get some sleep. Sleep? No! Billy, what in the world has gotten into you? He's always been a reject. All right, Carol, that's enough. Your brother doesn't need any stress. You can leave now. Billy noticed that his mom had put on some Christmas music to calm him. The song he heard gave him chills. Why me? After a week of more nightmares and often sleepless nights, it was finally Christmas Eve. Billy was hoping to make it one more day, hoping Santa would leave him alone once Christmas had passed. Billy found himself strolling in a toy factory. There were all kinds of tools around. As he studied the room, he realized where he was. Wait a minute, I know this place. This is Santa's workshop. Then he heard that laugh that he had grown so familiar. <laughs> there he was, Santa Claus, his eyes devil red, his beard long and messy. Sweat was pouring down his face from the big fur coat he was wearing, and he held a black and decker chainsaw in his right hand. Santa was laughing as hard as he could. It was a scary sound. He ran at Billy, swinging the chainsaw. Billy ran, climbed up what appeared to be a large machine. He jumped onto a platform, pulled onto a lever, and that fired up that machine. It was activated now. Wood was moving on a conveyor belt into a shredder before paintbrushes would create it into a toy. Billy stared in amazement. Whoa, like a, a giant toy maker. Just then, Santa grabbed him and held him over the shredder. Blades spun below him as he was face to face with the old man. Bye-bye, Billy. Ho, ho, ho. Santa again began to laugh hysterically. As he did, Billy looked around, saw a screwdriver, and jammed it into Santa's heart ceremoniously. Ho, 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 ho. No. Ho, there was a bright red flash, and Billy woke up. Ha, ha, I did it. I defeated Santa Claus. He was back in his room, on his bed. And it was Christmas morning. Hey, it's Christmas. Let's go. The brother and sister excitedly ran down the stairs. It was 7 a.m. and their parents were still sleeping on this Christmas morning. When they got to the living room, the Christmas tree was there. But that was it. There were no presents. The floor was empty. What the heck? Where are the presents? Did Santa not come or something? I killed Santa! Have it. Wisconsin's morning news is adaptation of 10-year-old Eric Billstad's production of 
the Santa Claus. A kind of different imagining of a Christmas soon-to-be classic, you could say. Okay, keep it tuned here because coming up, we speak with artistic director of the Milwaukee Ballet, Michael Pink, and how the Milwaukee Ballet is doing something a little different of their own to a Christmas classic. Stay tuned. You're listening to Wisconsin's Morning News Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. The Nutcracker. Everyone knows the story, right? It's been around for years. But it was one of those stories that needed a little bit of a facelift. And that's what artistic director of the Milwaukee Ballet, Michael Pink, did with a newer adaptation of the classic Christmas story. In this interview you hear, you're going to hear him talk about how he wants to stay true to the tradition, but still modernize it a little bit. You're going to love this story and the details, and you're definitely going to love this guy's voice. Here's our conversation with Milwaukee Ballet artistic director, Michael Pink. We are blessed to have a world-renowned company right here in southeast Wisconsin, Milwaukee Ballet respected across the globe, has been a leader for more than two decades now by artistic director Michael Pink, who is live with us in studio this morning. Great to see you, Michael. Yeah, and you again, Vince. Been a while. It it has been. uh, I will revisit the last time we spoke at length uh, for the news, but uh, you and I uh, go back a number of years. Tell us first what happens on World Ballet Day. It's uh, it's a celebration. It's just a celebration of the world of ballet. Um, you know what? It's the ballet world. <laughs> so, so ballet. yeah, there, there will be cake, but nobody will own up for having it. <laughs> I think it started some like nine years ago, and it truly is around the world, all those different time zones. Everything's live. People just stream live, and it might be just them in class doing their daily warm-up. But that in itself just reminds you how many people actually pursue a career as a professional dancer around the world and how many little kids, uh, many of which are you know, associated, to our, associated to us, are still pursuing that dream. It's still a viable dream for so many children. And that's the Milwaukee Ballet has over 650 students in our school, three locations. That's incredible. And it's really incredible. They may be just little three-year-olds dreaming of being a butterfly, but that three-year-old grows into a 13-year-old who is still pursuing the, the dream of being a dancer. And like any sport of which I regard dance as a sport, it's a team building experience. And it caters so much to those kids that are not competitive. Mm-hmm. Because dance, believe it or not, is not competitive. It's really hard for you to be in a ballet company and be alone. You need everybody around you. What we call our quarter ballet and what we call our principles. If you're a lady and you're being lifted, you need a guy to be lifting you. So it's very much a team spirit. So I think it really still resonates within families. And, of course, with the new Nutcracker coming up, that's the biggest family event that we have uh, in, in America. No other country celebrates Nutcracker like America. I know you got questions about the Nutcracker, but I was curious. Like, So ballet's been around hundreds of years, right? Mm-hmm. So for a dance that's as old as ballet is, does it need to remain progressive? Are there things that have changed over the years in order to, I don't know, keep it hip? So to speak? Absolutely. You know, we refer to contemporary dance, and the true definition of contemporary is of today. So when uh, 
somebody was creating contemporary dance at the turn, really the turn of the last century, it was relative to that period. It still remains relative. Like any other art form, opera, the symphony, you still have your classics. If you go across the road and listen to Beethoven, you don't want to hear a contemporized version of Beethoven. Right. You want to hear Beethoven. So there's a place for everything. The balance is really just continuing to preserve that uh, legacy, if you will, and then uh, create for the future. So my company, Milwaukee Valley, we have done something in the region of 60 new works since my tenure began, which means we are feeding. We are feeding the next generation um, with new work, creating work that is for today. And apart from that, people have changed dramatically. What somebody would do 50 years ago is a fraction of what they can do today. So we're pushing the boundaries, pushing the limits, and that's why we need more orthopedic surgeons. Because we keep breaking <laughs> them. We keep breaking them. <laughs> Michael Pink is the artistic director of Milwaukee Ballet, so that leads us perfectly into Drosselmeyer's Imaginarium, this rework of the Nutcracker. So you dance carefully because, as you know, generations have gone to see the Nutcracker here in Milwaukee, and we don't typically do change well here. But the show definitely needed updating. So tell us what's new and different. Well, yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, we have to tread gently. The first thing I did when I said, okay, we need to look at a new one, by and large because the existing scenery and costumes were 26 years old and no orthopedic surgeon could save those. So we're not going to worry about that. Uh, but we are definitely in a place where we need to invest in new scenery and costumes. So it was an opportunity for me to say, okay, let's revisit this, let's look at it, but with one major caveat, which is tradition. I do not want to disappoint people, and I certainly do not want to trample on people's fond, fond family memories of the of the Nutcracker. So I'm building it very much around the, the current production in terms of some of the content, but it's a whole new imagined world, which is why I'm calling it the Imaginarium. I want people to be sucked in to the whole journey. Um, Nutcracker tr traditionally has a very active first act and then we get to the second act and it kind of slows down a bit and you, people get fidgety and, and then the kids want more sweets and visiting the boutique yes. and so what I'm trying to do is make sure it doesn't slow down and that we keep the pace going so it, it zooms towards that finale. Don't go anywhere, coming up the second half of our interview with Milwaukee Ballet's artistic director, Michael Pink. Thank you for spending your Christmas holiday with Wisconsin's Morning News. We resume our conversation with artistic director of the Milwaukee Ballet, Michael Pink. So you and I, uh, you referenced this, we last got together. It was early 2021 when Milwaukee Ballet was one of the first major arts groups on the planet that returned to in-person performances. I mean, you were a global leader on that, but also in so many other ways. So I, I'm, I'm curious, what do other cultural centers, New York, Paris, London, how do they perceive Milwaukee Ballet? You know, I don't know. I think, uh, unfortunately, if you're not in a, in, a, in a major city, a destination city, as I call them, I think people just don't think about you. And in particular in this country, because it's such a vast, vast country, everybody seems to truly live in their little bubbles. So I think when it comes to our uh, Dance USA meetings, which is our national group, one of the great things about COVID was we all spent a huge amount of time on Zoom together. And that was the first time that, in my knowledge, had ever happened. So I think everybody suddenly went, oh, hi, who are you? And name to face, all of that. And the conversations, everybody realized we are all in the same, we were all in the same situation together. So we discovered so much more about each other. 
And one of the things that people know about this company, which is unique, is we create a very distinct narrative dance world of which we've just, just done Dracula. And it was, again, a huge sell because it tells a convincing story. Um, and classical ballet sometimes isn't, isn't, uh, doesn't do that. Not enough people do that. So I've tried to build an identity for the company that is unique. And, and I say try because one continues to try. But I think we have. We've built an identity that means it defines Milwaukee Ballet from all the other dance companies. Now, do the folks in New York come to Milwaukee to see ballet? Hmm, let me think. No, they don't. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But what I will say is anybody who does come, it's always the same reaction. I had no idea. I had but no dancers idea. come come from yeah, around the world absolutely. to be a part of your company. Absolutely. My company, when we talk about uh, diversity and inclusion, the ballet world has always been very diverse because of the nature of it. There are, It's a very skilled art form, and there are, there are only a few people that really make the grade. So those people are working in, the, in these major ballet companies, and they come from around the world. Um, what is interesting is they don't seem to want to leave. They come here. You would think this would be a stepping stone into New York, into San Francisco, into Houston, wherever. But no, they come, they stay, and they feel valued, and they realize they're a part of this world that we've created here. And that means a lot. Having been a dancer working in London, it can be very lonely because you're in a huge rat race, and as soon as... As soon as you lose your edge or you need a little operation here or there, you tend to get sidelined and then it, then you fade away. So it's less competitive in a place like this. You can build a community. And we just retired David Hovnissian, who's been 20 years with this company. That's his entire career here in Milwaukee. He's made Milwaukee his home. He's made Milwaukee Ballet his home. And he's brought us an incredible level of artistry. So that speaks volumes to me in terms of we're building a family and that's also Milwaukee. I mean, people say that about Milwaukee. Sure, yeah. You come here and you think, oh, I'll be here three years. Look at me. 21 years. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad you're still here. So uh, for sometimes in industry, you might get discovered or a sport. Like you can discover a guy because he's so tall and be like, you know what? We got to get him on a basketball court or a model could be discovered because of the way she looks for a specific type of industry where they want to take pictures or whatever. Can you discover a ballet dancer? Like, have you ever seen someone's type and been like, you know what? I got to get you some shoes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You can see it. You can see it from a very early age. There is. There is a physicality to this, but then there is to most sports. So you're looking at a dancer. You can see a dancer's body a mile away, and we talk about legs and feet. And that's just the aesthetic shape of the legs, the mobility, the flexibility of the ankle, the size of the arch. So when you look at a line, and a line being the line that the body creates, you can see that it has natural ability to be flexible, to turn out. You see it in gymnasts, in particular, when you see floor gymnasts. Can you see it the other yeah. way, too? Okay, you, you should uh, Yeah, yeah you maybe can. it's something else. That... Yeah, you can. So I, I think probably stay where you are. <laughs> if this makes you happy, you're welcome here, but... But, yeah, I think, yeah, uh, your legs are under the table at the moment, so I'm not going to... I won't evaluate Totally that. get it. Um, no, but what... What I'm guilty of is that I look beyond that. I'm also very, very interested in the personality and the work ethic. And people will tell you that I, we have dancers in our company that perhaps are not the most aesthetically uh, perfect classical dancers, but what they are as artists and what they bring to the stage for me is worth so much more because that's what 
it connects with our audience. So I love the balance of it. I call us gypsies because we truly are. And I know I probably just said a word I'm not supposed to, so I'm really sorry if I offended anybody. I won't do it again. But it really is um, a question of building that team. You need one of those, two of those. You know, you need that, that diverse group of people that make up a whole. Michael Pink, Artistic Director at Milwaukee Ballet. Thank you so much. You are a treasure. The ballet is a treasure. And best to your wife, Jane, who does so much work in the arts community as well here. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much. It's such a pleasure. And I'm really glad I managed to find you in this amazing new facility here. You're listening to Wisconsin's Morning News Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. listening to Wisconsin's Morning News Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive. And a Merry Christmas to you, Vince Vitrano. I'm Eric Bilstead, along with our producer, Greg Pancake Hill. So, Vince, did you know that eggnog stems from early British medieval history? Oh, right. Nog. The first thing they did... <laughs> right. Yeah, a bit put, of nog. They put warm milk on. in wine. And that Ugh. turned into eggnog. Is that what is that what it is now? Culinary, it, well, no, it's rum. That's mm. how it's become here in America. The reason it's rum is because way back in the day, colonial, colonially, right. we would trade with the Caribbean pirates or whatnot, the Caribbean uh, folks, and get the the rum that way. Right, a little smart. Now we got a little smart eggnog. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So culinary historians have traced the origins of eggnog to the medieval British punch called posset, which is this warm milk curdled with alcohol, such as wine. Oh. Flavored with spices. And then in medieval Europe, monks added their own twist. They served it with like figs and eggs and that type of thing. So that added to the viscosity that it is today. It's making my stomach churn like a little bit. Like I'm not an nog guy. When's the last time you've had nog though? If, if, hmm. it was, if it was made correctly, I, I bet you might, you might dig that a little bit. You've had a white Russian before. Totally different drink. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can I just fill my tumbler with whiskey like usual? Just, can't you just leave me be? <laughs> On this Christmas. <laughs> I don't care what yes, day it is. Of course. Right? <laughs> Surprises you, though, that maybe I'm not. So we got another hour yet. What do we got next hour? On yes, please program? listen anyway. A whole hour ahead here of Wisconsin's morning news holiday radio show. So... One of the things I was really privileged to do is had a backstage pass, the inside scoop. E, we always, I always look for local bands in the big parades, yeah. Rose Parade or Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and I have band kids uh, at Greendale High School. And Greendale was for the second time in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York City. So a couple of pieces that we did on that one on how they were preparing all their music and sort of the hustle and bustle of day in and day out rehearsals mm-hmm. for that. And then we had uh, band directors uh, in the studio with us to talk to us a little bit more about. How cool. the process? How do you get picked? What all goes into it, and the chaos of actually going out there and being part of that? Is that event. is that very difficult to be selected? Like, do you have to go through a huge process? The band director uh, Tom Reifenberg over in Greendale told me there are more than a hundred bands typically who apply, and once you've been in. It's, you got to wait five years to apply okay. again. So last time Greendale went was 2016. And so you got to wait five years to apply again. So even to take them out of the mix, it's still more than 100 bands applying every year. And what did they have? Six 
this wow, year in the parade. Six, that's it. So you got to be pretty special, and then they got to know that that you can handle the rigors of it on top of that. So it's not just about your music; it's about your look. What is it that you're going to play, and all those things go into it. So that's coming up in the next hour. We also have a really cool interview with the man who plays Bob Cratchit in Wonky Repertory Theater's production of A Christmas Carol. Reese Madigan actually mm-hmm. played that role a number of years. And was fantastic once again. Very interesting to hear what he had to say about doing the role a second or a third or a fourth time and the challenges, but also the the opportunities that exist then for an actor. And what's funny is he stays the same, but the Cratchit children, <laughs> they're different every year, a whole different batch of young performers. <laughs> one of them's going to end up his wife one year. <laughs> right? You know, so you got, you know, really little kids and then some olders and some of them know how, you know, might be their first time on stage yeah, ever cool. with Milwaukee Rep doing 30 shows in a season. So, really interesting guy to talk to. So, that's all ahead in the next hour of Wisconsin's Morning News Holiday Radio Show. Merry Christmas. You're listening to Wisconsin's Morning News Holiday Radio Show, presented by Heiser Automotive.